Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. I, I want to pick up again, like I said, 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'm just wondering, I got this question, have you ever had a moment uh, in your life that's just etched in your memory? You know, it's like, it's something that happened like years ago, but you just can't forget it. Uh, it's like, you, it's like you, you remember every detail. You remember, you know, how you felt, the sounds, uh, where you were, how you were sitting, what you were watching, and you just, you, no, it doesn't matter, you just can't shake it, you just instantly remember it as if it just happened. And I, and I remember a moment in my life, it's the funniest thing, it's, and it's kind of odd to be honest with you, but I remember a moment that made such an impression in my life that still today, 35 years probably later, I'm still remembering this uh, moment. And it was when I was probably, you know, in middle, middle school. I know it was middle school. I wasn't in high school yet. And so I was downstairs in my uh, family basement and I was listening. I know I'm, I'm about to date myself right now. Um, I was listening to the, the, the Toronto Argonauts play the, the Hamilton Ticats, which already right now I can hear uh, Tom Ferns just cheering right now. Uh, but anyways, um, and I was listening, and it was a playoff game, and it was back in those days, and again, like I said, I'm dating myself because I'm listening to the radio, and I couldn't watch it on TV because back in those days, they would black out the local market so you couldn't see it on TV, so you had to either go to the game or you're forced to listen to it on radio. And I remember back then being like a huge Argos fan. All of you guys know that I'm a, I'm a true blue Toronto fan. Like I love the Jays, the Leafs, the Raptors. And if I'm going to cheer for someone in the CFL, I know this is not going to do well or bode well for me, you know, here in Hamilton and Waterdown. But if I'm going to cheer, I, I do cheer for my hometown team, which is the Argos. And back when I was a kid, that was a big deal. And I remember listening to that with all excitement and hope, just believing that, man, we're going to crush the Ticats, only to have my hopes completely dashed. And I, right now I'm hearing Tom just yell and all of the Ticat fans in the church just yell right now. Of course they did. The Ticats always beat up on the Argos. But, but anyways, I digress. And I remember feeling so crushed. I mean, I was broken. Like as broken as a, you know, a, a 11 or 12 year old kid could be when they have huge hopes for something and all of a sudden it's completely dashed. And, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, 35 years later, I can remember the moment. I can remember where I was sitting. I can remember how I was sitting. I can remember the sounds and I remember the emotions and there's no doubt that it left an incredible impression. Well, the truth is, is that you and I both know that uh, outside of those kind of moments, there are some bigger moments in life that are full of disappointment. They're full of loss. They're full of grief. There are even some of us that unfortunately have experienced some traumatic moments that can be life-altering, that have been life-altering. And, and it leaves more than just an impression in our memory. It has the ability to leave an impact on our lives. For example, you know, there are moments and situations that we experience that, that have such an impression and such an impact on our, our hearts and our minds that it, that it actually leads us to, you know, or has the ability to, to make us feel uh, hesitant to move forward in life. Or, you know, we question if we really can move on beyond this situation. Or we even fear moving into something new 
or we fear that, you know, because of some failure to accomplish something and or maybe we've attempted something over and over and over again and we uh, we just feel like there's there's no point because it's only going to happen again. I'm not going to be able to get beyond this moment. And and it's because of the heartbreak and it's because of the the, the brokenness that sometimes we experience through these kinds of moments. And again, depending on how traumatic the moment is, depending on, on the intensity of the situation, when it's not worked through, man, I'll tell you, it has the ability to shape how we do life and faith. Or let me put it this way, it has the ability to shape how we maybe don't do life or faith. And I'm not going to lie to you today, that, that saddens me. Because I know, and you know, the word of God tells us that. We, we know in our own heart and our spirit that God has a plan for our, our lives that is full of hope and full of future. And yes, there'll be trials, and yes, there'll be you know, struggles, and yes, there'll be things that will happen, disappointments, loss, grief, um, you know, traumatic moments. But even with those things, God is still faithful to complete the work that he started in you the things that God wants to do inside of your life. And so I, I want to say this today, that, that if you've ever found yourself feeling that way because of a loss or feeling that way because of some trauma or feeling that way because of some hardship that you felt uh, faced, that you, you feel like you can't move forward and, and there's just it's weighing you down, I want you to know that's when that thing has now shifted to a wound. And that wound is hindering your ability to run the race that God has called you to. And, and it requires us, in order to move forward, it requires us to, to take steps, to take action, because if we're not, what's happening is we're actually allowing those moments to have lordship over our lives, meaning to have authority over our lives, to control our lives. When, when we know as a follower of Jesus, part of our journey is to surrender our lives, and to come under the lordship, the direction, the authority of God. And now we've handed it over to something or someone else because of the brokenness. And, and again, don't get me wrong, like, you know, what I'm about to share with you today, I, I know is going to come across in a very simple way. And I don't mean to simplify a very complicated scenario. Trust me, I understand that there are things that we face, that we've walked through in our past, trauma, loss, that, that it takes time and it takes counseling and, you know, it, it takes, you know, family and friends coming alongside of us in a process and it, it, isn't, it doesn't change overnight. And man, I love those gifts, man. Those are incredible gifts that God has placed in our lives. But, but man, I'll tell you this week as I was, you know, preparing for this, I just had this stirring in my heart that sometimes we forget. That though God uses these things, and those things are so important as a part of, those, of that journey, sometimes we forget that what those things can do is great and incredible, but nothing can ever take the place, and nothing can truly accomplish what the God of the universe, the, created, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has the ability to to do. And sometimes we forget that in the mix of life. And, and again, God uses these tools. Don't get me wrong, he does. But man, not to 
take his place. Trust me, because there are just some things, you've heard me say, there are just some things that only God can do. And I felt in my heart God just pressing and this, this sense of reminding us today if we just bring it to God and, and be, walk out in obedience what he asks us to do. But if we just come to God, if we make God our first step, if we make God our first priority, watch what he does and watch the miracle he performs in order to unlock us from what really is controlling us to now being free to run the race that God has called us to. Look at the woman uh, that we're going to we're going to look at the life of a woman, uh, a woman of God in Second Kings chapter four. And again, for time, I'm not going to read all of it. I'll highlight a couple of scriptures today. But but she suffered a loss that all of us would agree is is life altering. Her and her husband uh, didn't have any children. In fact, she was barren. And again, when you look at the society at that time, there was a stigma, a very negative stigma attached to uh, a woman who could not bear children, unfortunately, at that time. And so, you know, she carried this burden. But at this season, the prophet Elisha, who used to travel in her area all the time, uh, she, she just didn't let it keep her from doing life and doing faith. And, and so, you know, uh, she, she, just, she just did whatever she could for God. And one of those things was to open up her home to give Elisha the prophet a place to stay when he was in town. She wanted to bless him. And there was a moment in 2 Kings chapter 4 where he's asking her, well, what can I do to repay you? I, I, can I give a good word to the king or to the commander of the army in the area for you? And, 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 and what can I do? And she's like, no, 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 listen, I'm good. I, I, my family treats me well. We're, we're, we're doing okay. And then he finds out that she's never had children. And so he looks at her one day and he says, I want you to know that a year from now, you're going to be holding in your arms a son. Now, she was taken aback and she even said this. She's like, please don't say that because I don't want to get my hopes up and it not happen. Well, sure enough, Elisha prophesies it and it happens. Now, right there, it's like, wow, what an awesome, incredible story. But then that story took a turn for the worse, or at least it appeared to take a turn for the worse. A few years later, uh, her son is out in a field where her father or his father is, and and he starts to complain about some pain in his head. Many scholars believe that he uh, that he was suffering from sun uh, sunstroke, and he actually he does he he dies. This young boy dies from this ailment, this pain that he was experiencing. And, and what's really powerful about this story is that in the midst of her brokenness, instead of preparing for, you know, this, this burial, she decides to take her, her son who is, who's laying lifeless in her arms and she brings him to the bed of, of Elisha and she puts him on the bed and she closes the door and she goes to find where Elisha was. And, and she goes to Elisha and she says, Elisha, I need you to come back. I need you to speak life over my, my son who has no life in him. He's dead. And, and, and Elisha recognizes and sees the bitterness and, and the brokenness and the hurt. All of it is just pent up and he can see it. 
And she says, listen, I'm not going anywhere until you go with me, Elisha. And so Elisha finally goes with her and he walks into the room and he begins to pray. And moments later, the boy comes back to life again. Wow. What an incredible story, right? I mean, talk about going from the high of excitement and joy to the lowest of brokenness and hurt and loss. And, and, and instead of choosing to, to settle with just, let's just make burial arrangements and a funeral, she said, no, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to believe God to do a miracle in this moment. You know, I, I got to tell you, I... I as I read that story this week, and as powerful as it was, man, God just began to stir a word in my heart for not just me. I believe, I believe this is for all of us, but I think there's some individuals today that are watching this, or maybe it's someone that you know that has suffered incredible loss, has suffered, you know, incredible, you know, hardship, uh, hardship and, and, and just brokenness and trauma. And they're struggling. They're struggling to believe that they can move on. And they're struggling to believe that, that God could actually do something. And God just reminded me in this moment. Like I felt like God was personally challenging me about how she responded when, when she faced hardship and, and brokenness. She responded in faith. And I felt like God saying, Craig, how do you respond? I mean, she chose not to settle, you know, for the hurt, but instead she chose to step towards God. And, and I felt God saying to me, and maybe this is a word for someone today, are you settling? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm, I'm just, I'm asking the question, just like God asked me the question this week. Am I allowing my future to be hindered because of, of the loss that I've suffered or the trauma that I've experienced? or the hardship, or the failure, or the heartbreak? Am I allowing my future to die in God and in life? Am I, am I standing still and emotionally feeling like I'm kind of lifeless? And then he lowered the boom even harder. And again, in a good way, you know, because... Again, here she was in the natural, chasing after God to do this miracle, to see, you know, life be restored in her situation. The life being restored was in her son physically, but, but for me, what I felt like God was saying, I felt like God stirred this word that some of us that have suffered that loss in life, that trauma, that hardship, and we experience this, we have this experience, and, and, and it has the potential, like I said, to bring death to our futures and our walk with him, and and, and, and you just need to know God's just like, man, that's not my heart. And I hear God's just saying, don't settle. That in the same way that she sought a miracle in her life and wanted life, she didn't want to settle for death spiritually with the circumstances that you have faced. I feel like God's saying, don't let those things rob you of life and then God just began to show me just a couple of simple steps and again you know I wrestled with this this week I'm like God these are simple steps we all know but sometimes we don't do the obvious if I'm being honest with you you know it 
Sometimes we know what we should do or could do, and we just, for whatever reason, we choose not to, or we avoid it. And I, God just started to draw my attention to verse 20 to 21. Listen to what she did, because the first thing she did, instead of, of just accepting what had happened and just saying, well, it is what it is and nothing can change, and, and now she's going to live with hurt and, and, and bitterness and everything else, she brought it before God. She laid it before God. Verse 20 to 21 says this, that after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat, her lap, uh, sat him on her, uh, on her lap until noon, and then he died. And after this, she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God, and then she shut the door and she went out. And again, like I said, I know that what I'm about to say is simple, but sometimes I think that we don't do the obvious. And, and, and for me, in that moment, she was choosing to lay her child on the bed of Elisha instead of preparing for his burial. And in that moment, I see a woman that was so full of faith, so full of anticipation, so full of expectation in that moment. And she's making that declaration. I'm not settling for death here, but I'm going to believe that God is going to intervene. And I'm going to believe that God is going to bring a miracle. And I'm, I'm believing that God is going to bring life where there is death. And the question that I, I have for all of us today is have we done that in our brokenness and our loss? Have we taken our loss and have we put it on the bed of Elisha? And, and when I read that, what I, what I see is, is that act is no different than you and I bringing it to the altar of God. And I believe that's the first step that we need to take when we're experiencing loss or brokenness. Because that's the moment that you and I are actually positioning, we're positioning ourselves to receive the promise or to see the release of the power of God when we do it. In fact, all I can hear inside, you know, my heart is Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. And, and, and again, I won't, uh, again, you know, I'm not going to quote all of it, but, but I just, again, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, you know, come boldly, come boldly. Meaning come with absolute confidence before the throne of grace. It's like this invitation, just come to me. And when you come, man, come with the sense that you know that God is going to do this. God is going to do a miracle. And there are some of us in this that are watching this right now. And, I, I, and this is where God uh, has just been stirring this word all week in my heart. And if this is for you, you need to hear this. Some of us are holding on to the loss and the trauma and the brokenness. We don't want to, but we just are. We don't know where to turn. We don't know how to get past it. And I'm telling you today, God is saying, come boldly. In the same way that that woman just made the choice, I'm taking my son, I'm laying it before the Lord. That's what that represents. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Man, I love that. But it doesn't end there. I, I love this. She, she pressed in. She didn't just lay it before him, but she pressed in. Verse 30, look at it. Because after Elisha was kind of contemplating what he should do, she finally just made it really clear to them. And she goes, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. 
Verse 30 says this, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, meaning as long as you have breath, so long as the opportunity still exists, I will not leave you. And so he got up. He responded to that, that, that dedication, that passion, that commitment in that moment, and she followed him. And we know the story. He walks into the room. He prays. And all of a sudden, man, the miracle happened. You know, and I just want you to know. I just want you to know that in the same way, don't stop pressing in. Keep pressing in until God, until God moves because he's going to. You need to be confident in that. Just like that, she was confident that he will because remember, he's got this plan for your life. It is full of hope. It is full of life. It is full of purpose and anything that hinders that from coming into play, you need to know that God is going to work in and he's going to work through. And in the same way that she saw this miracle in the physical, you, you, I promise you, I mean this, I can say this, not because of my experience, but because of the word of God, because of his promises. I know today that he will do a miracle in the same way that he did a physical miracle for her. I believe that God's going to do a miracle in your situation. Now, I understand that it may not look like what we prayed for. It may not turn out the way that we think that it should, but, but you need to understand something today. That even when it doesn't turn out necessarily the way that we think, know this, that because he's got this plan for you, he's going to respond in such a way that is going to bring about life and hope and the ability to move forward. Why? Because of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Paul says this. I'm going to read to you the amplified version. It says this. And we know. That word to know here means with great confidence. I, I Man, just I know God's going to do this. He says we know that God who deeply is concerned about us causes all things to work together like a plan he takes the good the bad he takes the trial and the triumph and he begins to weave it together nothing can keep him from doing what he wants to do and he does it for your good he does it for the good of those that love God to those I love this line to those who are called according to his plan and his purpose and hear this, we may not be able to change the disappointment, but God can change the destination. God can change the direction, even when it's not the way we wanted it. I just promise you God's going to respond with a miracle when you begin to step into and ask God and just begin to cry out to God and press in and lay it before him. And let it go. You know, when I think about things not working out perfectly, and I'm going to end with uh, this and one other scripture. I'm reminded of a young adult couple that we worked with uh, in, in one of our churches. They were, they were leaders of our young adult ministry. They were good friends. We loved them dearly. I still love them today. And, uh, and they went through a struggle. Like any young marriage, you know, in marriage in general, there's always struggles. 
but they had some struggles beyond just even personally. They were struggling. One of them was struggling. Uh, well, he was struggling with some issues and, and put themselves in a really bad spot financially. And, uh, and, and I remember that season, encouraging them to work through it. And, and we tried. We, you know, we went through the process and, and, uh, and, and all the steps that you would take and, and restoring and all that kind of stuff. But eventually, uh, you know, uh, even with kids coming along into the whole scenario, things didn't work out the way that they had hoped. And they found themselves separated and divorced. It wasn't the plan. It's certainly not on her part. And, and yet, what was really amazing was to watch her basically pretty much raise the two kids on her own. Not that dad didn't interact at all, but, but she really took on the weight of it, even with all of the financial burden and everything else. And, and I remember, you know, uh, you know, a couple of years, a few years ago, we, uh, we were together somewhere and we were just reminiscing and we were talking. And, and I remember she talking about that season in her life because we were so proud of her because you know, here she is still serving the Lord and, and, and you know, still, uh, you know, raising her kids. Her daughters are just amazing and they love God. And, 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 you know, she was sitting there that day and she said, you know, PC, like, you know, I remember moments in, in the darkest moments in the midst of the loss, the trial. I remember saying to God, God, you know that I can't handle this, right? And, and yet she said, I would feel encouraged that, that he's got my back and I felt like God was pushing me to keep going. And she said, each time that I endured something difficult and I chose to press through, she said, I experienced God's presence and his favor. And, 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 and then she looked at me and, and after a while and she says, but PC, I just want you to know, I don't ever want you to feel, you know, sorry for me. Even though I suffered all of this, because we, we walked the journey as best we could, and I just felt bad because it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, or the way that she wanted it to. But at that moment, I looked at her and I said, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't. I'm actually so proud and so inspired by you that you just kept going. And you never gave up, and you endured, and because you endured, because you took the stage, that step of faith and you trusted in God, you experienced God. And he brought to life what could have brought her to an end. It could have destroyed her future, but she didn't let it because she knew that God was going to be with her. And she laid it before him every day and she pressed in. I don't know who you are today. Maybe you've experienced that. You're walking through that. But as I was preparing, and I had kind of taken a, a passage of scripture out of this that I, but late last night, I felt like God saying, no, you need to read the scripture. And I'm just going to read the scripture for whoever needs to hear this today. And then I'm going to pray. And it's Isaiah 40, verse 27 to 31. And it's pretty familiar. It was in a time where the, you know, the exiles were returning from uh, exile and they were broken and hurting and they were tired and weary and they were complaining and they were they were stuck and they were dealing with their loss will we ever be restored will we ever get back to what god promises for us and he says this you need to hear this today if that's you why do you complain jacob why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my, my cause is disregarded by God? Meaning, why do you say that you're all alone, that I haven't heard you? Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
Listen, and this is a word for somebody today. I know it. I can sense it in my spirit. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And he will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. And he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And even youth who grow tired and weary and young men who stumble and fall. But those, this is the word of the Lord, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Not maybe, will renew their strength. And I love this. They will soar. They will rise up like, like on wings like eagles. And they will run and they will not grow weary. They will walk and they will not grow faint. I promise you today that word, not because it's mine, but because it's his. And I just want you to know God has every intention for you to run and he will do a miracle in the midst of your loss and your brokenness. Let's pray. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.